You're listening to the Wisdom Within Podcast, a journey into vulnerability, authenticity, and trusting your intuition. My name is Zoe, and my greatest passion is to support people in uncovering and celebrating who they really are. I believe the world will be a better place when we stop being other people and start being ourselves. Join me here for reflections, conversations, and guidance all with the goal of helping you to place ultimate trust in who you are, where you are going, and why you are here. It's time to return to yourself. Hello, my beautiful friends. I am so excited to be with you here today. Thank you for joining me here on the Wisdom Within podcast. My name is Zoe Grayman. I am an intuitive, an energy healer, and a certified coach. And I am here to support you in your journey back home to yourself, to support you in getting back in touch with and trusting your intuition, that inner knowing that you have about who you are, what you want, the life that you deserve and want to create for yourself. I'm here to support you in reconnecting and owning all of that. So thank you for joining me here today. If you are new to the show, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Today, I have a really amazing conversation that I'm just so freaking stoked to share with you. This is the first returning guest to the Wisdom Within podcast. Today I am speaking with Megan from Chronicles of a Sasquatch. I interviewed her a few episodes back. The episode is called Love Your Monsters. So you may want to check that out if you are interested in a little backstory of what Megan is all about and the work that she's doing in the world. In this episode, she and I just kind of got to dive in and chat about all the different craziness that's going on in the world right now, all the different energies and forces that are at play and the ways that each of us may be feeling it and impacted by it and the power that each of us has to change the world. When we start with ourselves, we can affect the world around us and you'll hear so much more about all of that in the episode here shortly. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that I am offering sliding scale intuitive energy readings for the month of June, and these have been so incredible. I'm having so much fun getting to meet you all and know each of you and see your beautiful energy in this way. In an intuitive energy session, I use my psychic, clairvoyant, clairsentient, and claircognizant abilities to look at the energy that is present in your space, that's hanging out in your energetic field and your aura, and really getting a clear idea of where you may be blocked in your life right now, what sort of energies are getting in the way of you having your own answers, having and creating what you really want for yourself. And by getting a good look at these in these sessions, you can begin to clear them out and make space for what is really true for you. 
these readings are so powerful. And if you're curious to learn more about them, make sure to send me a message on Instagram. I've linked my Instagram in the show notes below. You can also check out the readings highlight and the client love highlight on my Instagram page to get a bit more of an idea of what to expect and what other people have experienced from receiving these readings. Additionally, the Monday morning weekly meditations on IG Live are still going strong. I love starting my week off with you all in that way. So if you haven't already, um, make sure to tune into those meditations. They're such a beautiful way to start the day and start the week. They are at 9 a.m. PST every Monday morning. If you're not able to attend live, don't worry. You can always catch the replay that is saved uh, to my IGTV in my Instagram profile, but I've been loving those as well. Lastly, I wanted to give you all a heads up. You podcast listeners always get the first the first juicy details on what's coming up. So I wanted to give you a heads up that I'm going to be doing uh, free trainings in July. So every Wednesday for the month of July, I'm going to be doing a free training on a different aspect or pillar of energetic wellness. So I'm going to be going live and sharing some tips, some knowledge, some tools about how to cultivate energetic wellness and what that can look like for you and the difference that that can make in your life. I'm really, really excited about these trainings. I'm going to pack them with a lot of value and a lot of insight for you, and I really hope to see you there. So those are just going to be live on Instagram every Wednesday in July. So again, if you don't already follow me on Instagram, what are you doing? Let's connect. Let's be friends. Go find me over there. All right, now for the main event. This conversation with Megan is super inspiring, super powerful. I'm so excited for you all to hear it. I'd love if we could all take a big, deep breath together before we begin. So wherever you are, take a moment, pause, maybe close your eyes, put your hand on your heart. Take a deep inhale through the nose and an exhale through the mouth. All right, let's do this. Well, Megan, I am so excited to have you back on the podcast. You're my first ever returning guest to The Wisdom Within. Um, and I'm super excited to talk to you because since our first conversation, you and I have gotten to know each other a lot more. I'm currently a part of your group program, your Inner Alchemy Shadow Work program, which has been freaking phenomenal. And there's been so many really potent things that have come through from that and from the conversations that we had that we've had and so I really wanted to have you back on the show to have a conversation where we can just dive into all of these topics but first just really quickly for anybody who um, didn't get a chance to catch the first time you were on the show um, you are behind the Instagram platform Chronicles of a Sasquatch, mm -hmm. and you are a shadow work and voice dialogue facilitator and 
just putting all that work out into the world. Um, so if you are interested in hearing more about Megan's background, I highly recommend checking out her first interview on the show, which is called Love Your Monsters, because um, that'll have a lot more information about Megan's background and how she got into this work. But today we're just going to dive in. So welcome, Megan. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be here, Zoe, and to be here again after we've strengthened our own personal relationship too, because the first one was amazing of like just getting to know one another, but now that we have like a, just a deeper foundation that I think this will be a really fun conversation. Yeah, I think it was um, pretty clear for both of us from the get-go that we're pretty aligned on like all the things. <laughs> There's a lot of deep shit we can get into. Yeah, so then I love when you reached out about my program, I was like, hell yes. She is perfect for this. this. Is like my dream client. I want like I want to get her in here. <laughs> and I feel like from the conversation is, and especially like our group calls that we have, of kind of I like to leave them a little bit of an open forum with a little bit of structure. But what I'm realizing in my own personal life and my own journey is that I stepped into this role as shadow worker in 2020, and like just things have been coming up left and right now shadows from the collective shadows of course within our own personal experience and so i love having an open structure for our group conversations of like what's going on in this world and what's coming up for us in in that in that space of what's going on collectively and i think it's been such a cool cool thing for us all to just come together in, in a sacred container and get like pretty real with what's going on oh totally and to be able to share our own personal experiences like we're each a reflection and a mirror for each other, right? You talk about that all the time. And so just in hearing the other group members' experiences, it's like you can learn so much about your own life from that. And we get to kind of be like a hive mind about all the things that are going on. Yeah. And I think I just love that perspective of we're not an individual. I know that we're in an individual body experiencing the world from our perspective. But when you enter into a group, or a relationship or a community. It's like you enter into a space and now you're all working as one. It's like, it's one organism at that point. And having that awareness of we're all mirrors. And even though I may not have the exact story as somebody else, but I can hear what they're going through, like, like power versus powerlessness, which is something that we've been talking about a lot because of what's going on in the world, but that you can see those aspects and that um, polarity happening within your own self. And that's why I think it's so powerful, it's like communities coming together in sacred spaces to be able to have those conversations, because then even more shadows, things from the unconscious just come out from, from other people sharing. And it's like really, really powerful. And it sheds light on like different aspects of, like for me, it's shed light on different aspects of my own experience. Like when someone in the group shares something about something that they've gone through or an insight that they've had, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, that is what's happening to me. I never thought of it that way. Um, and in that way, it's just such a gift to be able to like learn from. It's literally just other people going about their life and existing and like being like learning so much just from that, which is freaking cool. I know it's so wonderful when you realize how much wisdom and knowledge we can gain just from sharing with each other, sharing our experience with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, and so this is part of the reason why I wanted to have you on again, because clearly, I mean, since the last time we spoke, you know, COVID-19 happened, we've got the Black Lives Matter movement that's been like really loud lately, just all these things that are going on in the world. And it's this idea that there's this 
this inner shadow work that we're doing on the individual level that we're doing in our group that many people listening are kind of doing on their own. And then there's this like global shadow, collective shadow work that's going on right now. And I love the perspective that you've shared with me about it in that it's all just like a reflection of what's happening inside of us. And I'd love if you could just kind of start to take us down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And so if we want to zoom in on like the person, right, we're going to zoom in on the micro, me as Megan, you as Zoe. And if we want to talk about like our, our powerful, our power and like how powerful we are of like, I am the universe in human form. It's me. I'm the creator of my experience. So whatever's going on in my own inner workings, when you have a society, a collective society that was programmed a certain way, I always like to use the, the analogy of we're born into fishbowls where like we're born as these perfect pure beings, but we're born into a fishbowl where the water is very dirty and programmed with um, a lot of unconscious programs and societal rules and beliefs. And so we adopt them just kind of like the air that we breathe. We don't even see that we're doing it because we don't know any better. We're just born into this world. And so we assimilate in order to basically not die in order to belong in society. Mm-hmm. So what goes on internally within us and how we're dismantling our own systems or whatever that looks like, that's going to be reflected externally. So think about this, a whole collective society, each individual creators, creators all living together. And if we're all programmed with a certain belief, we're going to create it on the massive scale because we all play apart. We're all in this society together, right? Remember how I told you with getting in groups and now you're one moving organism together. And that's kind of the same with our world. We are one organism that's moving together, just little cells, all of us just along with it. And the majority of people that have a certain belief or a certain you know way that they're working internally, that's going to be reflected externally. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, especially like what's going on right now is I love why shadow work I think is so important is whatever's going on externally. If I'm, if I'm the creator of my own experience and I, I play a part and I matter in this world, just as every human matters in our thoughts that we think and whatever we're, you know, um, frequency, whatever we're vibrating at and whatever we're, you know, creating, then I have to be responsible somehow for what's going on and coming up in the collective because I'm a part of the collective. And that idea of responsibility can at first be mm-hmm. kind of scary, right? Because it's like, we don't want to claim responsibility over like the terrible things that are happening in the world. Um, in some ways it can feel easier to be like a victim of it. But I think that there's another, like the other side of the coin is like, well, if I can recognize the power that I have on an individual level to affect the collective level, that actually gives me power, that gives me agency, that gives me an opportunity to change something rather than just sort of being, being at the whim of what's happening around me. Because we are, I mean, even if we think we are, we never really are, right? Yeah. yeah. And like, when you do this kind of work and come back to yourself, come back to your center and realize how powerful each present moment is, that even in this, Zoe, you and I speaking right now, how powerful this is in the words that we're using and in the, in the information or the wisdom that we're expanding, this matters. This, this matters. Even only if 10 people listen to it, those 10 people, they, have, they can affect other 10 people. And, and I think for a while in my life, I didn't think that I 
on the individual level mattered. So I didn't really, what, whatever words were coming out of my mouth or how I was treating people, it, it didn't really matter to me because I thought that, well, and why does this really matter? It's not gonna, I'm not like directly hurting anyone else. But when you see a whole collective, a society that's not speaking up against injustice, then literally people start dying. And like, that is what I'm getting chills right now of that is what has really been reflected to me of if I don't use my voice and stand up for things that I don't agree with, people die. And that's like, people are suffering and people are in pain. And I take responsibility for that because if I take responsibility, then I have a part in changing it. Then I can go and I can change something. I can help and I can aid in this process of transformation and change. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. And I think um, that for, for many reasons, this point in history right now is very uncomfortable for so many of us. Um, and I think what we're saying here is that if you can alchemize um, the, the sort of the guilt and shame around the part you've played by being complicit, if you can alchemize that into, oh, no, I'm powerful here. I, by every little action or every little difference that I make within myself, I have the capacity to affect everyone around me. Um, that's how things start to change. And it's the same kind of thing where it's like, we can't, we can't discount um, our own individual voice or our own individual effect on what's going on. It's like the, the butterfly effect or like the ripple effect, right? Like that. it touches, like, like you were saying, like if we touch one person, they touch five more people that touches. So we can't, especially right now, we cannot discount our own power yeah, in the world and, around us. Yeah. And even in, right, like shadow work, something just came out from the unconscious and now is looking at us in the face for those that are willing to see that and how not using our voice means we're taking the side of the oppressor. And I see that quite clearly for all matters of my life. When I don't say anything and speak up, that actually is not good for the collective. I mean, we're seeing that right now. And with shadow work and the work that, you know, we've done, Zoe, where the part that is, has been complicit or the one that doesn't think she has power, we have to, we have to get curious about that part. Where, where did you come from? Why are you here? And a lot of times it comes from childhood and the ways that we needed to obey our parents. And if we had a different opinion or perspective as a child, but it wasn't given the space or it was pushed down or it was gaslit, and said that that's not real, this is not how the world works. Well, we start to, we start to get quiet and, not, and then our voice gets lost in that because we just wanna fit in. Okay, what, well, you know, when I speak my truth, mom and dad both make me feel you know, like I'm not good enough, like I'm small and I don't like that feeling. So I'm just not gonna speak my truth anymore. So I can just not experience that pain of feeling shame. And really like diving deep within our own stuff to see why these parts are there in the first place and then with the work that I do, speaking to the part that lost its voice because it was scared, how can, I, how can I honor you? What can I do? How can I help you feel powerful so that we can start using your voice? And like it starts to be a, a working relationship, a new relationship of how we can start working together so that we can alchemize this. And I think that's like the most or one of the most important components of shadow work and of where we find ourselves at this point in history is approaching these things within ourselves and in the collective from a place of curiosity rather than resistance, anger, like bashing it, trying to make it go away. Because what we resist persists. We're not solving anything. And by approaching it with curiosity, 
that's how we can start to learn and get information and disarm these things within ourselves that are manifesting on a collective level. And in the shadow work that you and I are doing, that we're doing this group program, like every time we speak to a certain self, so it could be like a self that you and I have explored is um, uh, the, the part of me that always wants to be right. And I think like we've discussed, every person has a part of themselves that's like this, but rather than approaching that part as like, well, you're wrong. That's arrogant of you. That's not good. We always approach those parts lovingly like, hey, you're just doing your job. I understand, like, I understand why you came in. It makes a lot of sense. And getting to know it and asking it questions and getting curious about it allows you to understand it and work with it rather than trying to get it out of the way or move against it, which is never going to solve anything. No. And it's just going to create even more internal tension and like nothing's then both sides are going to be digging their heels in the sand, trying to say, well, this is my perspective and this is my perspective. And then a lot, a lot of times that's what we see outside is very polarizing things happening because it's very polarized within ourselves. And this, that really is like alchemy of going to the thing that is you think is unwanted and how can I change my relationship to you so that we can balance this out instead of just coming out, like you said, shaming, judging, trying to push away because that's not, that's just resisting, pushing up against something that's, that's there. Mm-hmm. In our own, in our own sort of inner work, in our own like inner anti-racism work, in our own inner shadow work, um, if we can, if we can approach those pieces of us with kindness, with love, with understanding, with gentleness, like a part of me that's been really activated during this whole experience over the last few weeks is the part of me that doesn't, um, that doesn't want to be wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. The part of me that wants to please people or that wants to be liked, like those parts are, those parts are really activated right now. Um, but it's important to sit with those and, and understand them in order to be able to move forward and make a change or to make some sense of what's going on for you. And we have to be willing right now to sit with those things. As uncomfortable as it is, we have to be willing to sit with them and be like, hey, what you doing here? I wonder, like, I wonder why you came in at this time in particular. Oh, okay. And you can start to make sense of it that way. Yeah. And I think what's also really important to understand is that it, this is not who you really are. This is just programming. Like I mentioned before, you're born into a fishbowl with water that has a lot of programs in it. And so when we look at our anti-racism or the racist parts of us or the whatever we're looking at, that it's just really important to know that that's, it's not who you, it's not who you really are. So you're just looking at a program that's just in your consciousness because of the society and the world that we were born into. So, you know, I mean, this work, I mean, we could go real deep down the rabbit hole on how many programs and deep seated beliefs are lodged into our consciousness. And that's really the point of shadow work is starting to go back and excavate these so that they can be dismantled within your own being so that they can dismantle out there. And a lot of people, their, their ego, they don't want to say, you know, oh, I'm not racist. And, and like their ego won't allow them to even open that can of worms because that may be too much for them of like, oh my God, if I have to admit that there's some racist parts within me, I don't know if I could handle that. And to those people, I'm like, no, no, that's not who you really are. It's just, that's the programming that you have and that you've just cling to because that's the way your parents were. That's the way your society was. And so I think it's really important to like that distinction of these are programs 
And these are things that are just lodged into our consciousness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And being able to find some space and some separateness between the self with a capital S, the, the true essence, the I am, versus all these different aspects of our ego and personality that are a result of the programming that's all around us. And what you're speaking to with the, the fish in the water, it reminds me of, um, I don't know if it's a joke or just like a little tail, but it's basically like there are two young fish that are swimming by in the water and an older like grandpa fish is coming in the other direction and swims by and said, hey boys, how's the water today? Keeps on swimming and the two fish keep going and they look at each other and they're like, what the fuck is water? What's he talking about? What the hell is water? Yeah. And that's what this is. It's like, we're so, we're so entrenched in it. It's so deeply ingrained in all of us. It's all around us that we don't even have awareness of it. And I think part of what is so uncomfortable about the year 2020 (laughs) is we're becoming conscious of these things. We're becoming aware of these things. I mean, some of us have been, you know, starting to be aware of them earlier on, but I think on a global level for the first time, it's like really a collective awakening and it's really uncomfortable to start to recognize all of these things, how deeply they've like kind of been ingrained in you and how they've sort of in many ways directed life, your life and life around you up until this point. They like are lodged into even our body, into our nervous system. And when you don't see it, when you're just living in it, you just, you don't see it. And with these things, it's like veils are starting to remove from our perception. And before all this happened, I was seeing a very different world then, the, then after all of this Black Lives Matter movement, I am seeing a, a veil was lifted. I'm seeing a very different world and I can pick things out or see things that I could not see before. Yes. And I love what you said, just the, I love the fish in the water thing of, I've met people and especially when we're talking about things like the patriarchy and someone's like, show me the patriarchy. Where does the patriarchy live? And it's like you, for someone asking that question, you're swimming in it. It's very hard when somebody's swimming in it because I always bring up the matrix of like their agents where when you're swimming in it, you're going to fight to keep the system because that's your reality. That's your baseline of how reality works. And so our ego grips onto them to keep them in place because without that, then then what is their whole sense of reality is completely shaken up. And so I love using the matrix because I, I call those people agents where I'm like, I understand what's going on here. I'm not actually going to argue with you, but I just see what's going on of like, you're, you're swimming in it and fighting to keep the system there because you just, you don't, you don't know another, there is no other way for you. You've been living like this for your entire life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and our minds and our personalities are very afraid of the unknown in general mm-hmm. across all things. And very much what we're entering into right now is a space of unknown of what does what is the world going to look like when this paradigm is shifted, when these aspects of the matrix are, <laughs> are pulled away and we can see things more clearly. There's, there's fear and I think that that's uh, being activated in a lot of people and that is part of the discomfort of not wanting to look at these aspects of themselves or to, or to dive deep in it because it's like, I don't know what it looks like if I, if I can't hold on to like these, these structures, these things that I'm used to. Yeah. And even when it's painful, even when, I mean, I can just speak from my own personal experience of I've clung onto things that have actually been hurting me and they're not good for me and not healthy for me, but because that's what's known and that's kind of the blueprint of what I saw growing up and, and I, we cling to things because it's known. That's what our personality does because it needs to know. It needs to know how the world works and how everything goes. And when we have to release, release it, then we step into the unknown, which is very, very scary for the personality. And that's why like doing the work that we do of strengthening your awareness, the self with the capital S, strengthening that part 
and taking the, the seat of that observation or that perception, that helps you release things when you have to step into the unknown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, like coming to consciousness. There is no coming to consciousness without pain. Like that's in order to become more conscious, there's got to be an up leveling, a uprooting of systems of structures that just don't work, and we have to look at it in the face. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can get uncomfortable and really scary. Mm-hmm. And to that point, there there is there's pain that comes along even with the unconsciousness as well. Like staying unconscious or staying like unwilling to look at these things. There's another pain that's attached to that too, but it's more of a, like a dull kind of like lasting ongoing, like dissatisfaction, lack of fulfillment, frustration. It doesn't feel maybe as acute and painful as um, like really going in there and looking at it, but it's like, that's that's that pain is still happening and it's if you make the choice to like look it dead on in the face you have more opportunity to move through that pain and to transform it Mm, it becomes like unconscious pain i love that because i was unconscious for 27 years of my life hating my job constantly the same story over and over and over again living my life the same exact way and then after my awakening and now I look at these things that come up as doorways, as opportunities of now I can speak something that's more in alignment with what I truly believe, or I can make a change, a conscious decision or choose the unknown and trust and surrender and just trust that if it's in alignment with me, somebody has got to have my back and I'll be okay. And it's, you're right. It's just, it's a different kind of pain and moving through that with curiosity and like trust and surrender than the old way that I was living before, which was that dull pain just consistently. Yeah. And choosing, choosing the, the road forward, like into consciousness, into awakening, into removing the veils is, I mean, in my experience, far more fruitful. Like you learn a whole lot more about yourself, about the world, about, oh God, everything. (laughs) The, the, the doors like fly wide open. Yeah. And then you start actually seeing your reality start to change and mirror back your own shifts in yourself. And like things start to rapidly change and get more in alignment with, with who you actually are. Like in my own personal experience, I've been on this journey for four and a half, five years. I mean, in this, I quit the job that I was hate, that I hated for 10 years of my life, started my own business, you know, been on podcasts and now I'm going to start my own. And and be invited to events and hold retreats, like way different thing. I'm just stepping more and more into what makes me feel alive rather than just the same story that was on repeat for 27 years of my life. Yes, yes, yes. I've had very similar experiences. And that's just another example of how um, the internal affects the, the external, the, the micro affects the macro, the, the work that you're doing on the inside. It, it has no choice but to affect the, the external world. If you, if you are a different person walking through the world, your world is going to be different. Period. Extremely different. Yes. Yeah. And even with what we were speaking about, about like maybe like not speaking my truth. So I was living, how that was working internally was a time that maybe I wanted to speak out on injustice, but I was too scared to speak my truth. So I kept quiet. And that's how I was living my life. And then this happens and I see how me not speaking my truth is not helping anyone. In fact, it's hurting people. And then now the conscious work that I'm doing to help that part of myself so that now when I enter into the world and in conversations, if I hear injustice or hear something that doesn't feel right in my body, I'm now going to speak it. Even if my hands start shaking, even if, but it's a way different experience. But in me saying that, 
I may affect that person if I, if I say it rooted in love and compassion, but also still in my own truth, that maybe that affects them to where they, they, don't, they don't continue to go and speak that out to their community. And we can start to like have this not be a thing when we all start holding each other accountable. Yes. Yes. And, and the issues that we have now or society as we know it now, or that we've known it for hundreds of years is a product of a ton of individual people not speaking up and imagine what could be possible or what could be different if everyone on an individual level starts speaking up. It's a reflection. The external world will be a reflection of that. Yeah. And a whole collective of, people stepping into their power rather than powerlessness, which is not using their voice, and then blaming a president or blaming the local county or blaming whoever because they're, they're running their life or their life doesn't look the way it is and they're, and they're projecting their own powerlessness onto somebody else. Then you have a whole collective that are stepping into their power. And we realize that we were the ones in power this entire time and we can shift who's in power because we, all of us collectively, have, can use our voice. This, I want to dig a little bit more into this dynamic of power versus powerlessness because this is something that we've talked about a bit and I think it's so um, relevant to like what's going on right now and the fact that each of us carry this polarity, this dynamic between power and powerlessness within ourselves and again it's manifesting on a collective level. Yeah. And I love that you just said polarity because I feel like before we open up this, this conversation, which I'm so glad that we are, what polarity is and why it's important to know about the law of polarity when trying to make any kind of change in, in your own personal world or the world at large, is polarity is nothing can exist without its opposite existing. So to give you an example, the only, when I call something, oh, I'm cold, I tell, I tell people that I'm cold. Well, I only know that I'm cold because I also know what hot is. I would not know what cold is if hot didn't exist in my experience at one point or another either. I have to compare it to something. So it's just different degrees, and that's a perfect example of temperature. They're on the same line, but just different degrees. And so that's the same as anything, and I mean like literally anything, masculine, feminine, power versus powerlessness, sad versus depressed. Like there was a point in my, in my life when I was very sad and depressed and now I doing the work and now I'm at a place where I'm like, oh my God, I'm finally happy and at home in my skin and in my body. But the only way I know that is because at one point I experienced sadness. And so they're kind of one in the same. You can't have one without the other. And so a lot of times when our ego identifies with something, so I could go out and say that, oh, I'm, I'm a really nice girl. I'm really nice to everyone. I'm polite, I'm kind, but I have disidentified with my anger so I'm actually not speaking my truth to go with the not speaking the truth. I'm actually not speaking my truth because I'm nice and I'm polite. But in that, I could be like, I'm saying like terrible things underneath my breath or I'm actually resenting people or I keep meeting angry partners to reflect back to me the own part of myself that I refuse to look at. So in the nice and polite woman, she's just not owning her anger and that, that portion of it because she doesn't think that she can. But it doesn't mean that she's not without it because you can't know nice without, without anger, without anger existing simultaneously. Yes. And I love you bringing up this power, powerlessness dynamic because when we identify with powerlessness of someone else is running the show and I don't have a say in it, 
but we've just disidentified with our power and then we project it out. We project our power onto someone else who we think has power over us. And same with power. When you're like, I'm in power and you know, let's look at our president, for example, someone who's totally identified with power, but completely disidentified with powerlessness. And then we'll, you know, project that with the language that he uses. I mean, he uses, you know, language that's even like a kind of like a, a five-year-old, like name calling and just completely disidentifies with his powerlessness and then projects that onto everything. And so that's when you get these two very polarizing situations externally. It's because that polarization is happening in our own inner world too. Yes. Yes. And I think, um, Trump is such a good example of this power versus powerlessness and what happens when we really deny or disown a part of ourselves. It, it doesn't go away. Just because we don't no. want it there, we push away, it doesn't go away. It, it, it festers and manifests in really icky ways that impact the people around us and ourselves negatively. Yeah. I mean, we just... I love that you said that whatever we're repressing or rejecting go literally goes nowhere. We shove it into our shadow, into our unconscious mind. And that's what we create our reality with our conscious mind. is just kind of like a, a cute little thing. That's the thing that we go and we excavate everything to bring into the conscious mind. But usually for the normal person, I mean, we're, what is it? 5% we use our conscious mind, but 95% is our subconscious. Yeah. And when we push everything back there and don't, get curious and go back there to look around at what's there, we're projecting all of that onto the world. The good, the bad, the, what, the whatever. We're just projecting it out there. Yeah. And I think with like what's going on in the world of just, we're seeing power versus powerlessness everywhere. And that's an, on one of our group calls and we were all talking about it. And I posed to the group, the group of women of, what do you see out there and what's going on right now? What do you see out there? What's your perception like of what's going out, on out there? Now I want you to look within in your own selves. Is, that, is it reflecting what's going on within you? And I thought that was a very powerful exercise for me too. Like sometimes I just channel this stuff and I'm like, oh, I should probably journal about this too <laughs> when I'm done with the call. How, how the dynamic of power and powerlessness, what that looks like in my own life. And I found it everywhere, completely of like being born into a childhood with a loving family, but there was, it was a, some narcissism, some gaslighting. I was very gaslit, told my experience was not real. And like, I felt very powerless. So I kept my mouth shut. And then in feeling powerless, I tried to get my power back by like, you know, sneaking out at night and rebelling because I was looking for power anywhere I could get it. But then in ways that showed up in my own personal relationships with friends of how then I was trying to be dominant over somebody else. I was just replaying the dynamic in reverse with other people. And then getting real honest with myself of like, oh my God, this dynamic lives within me. And then what can I bring to each of these parts so I can bring into balance so there can be a dance and not such polarity. Yes, yes. And um I found that exercise to be really powerful. The, another way that you worded it too was like, where, where in me is the part of the oppressed and where in me is the part of the tyrant? And like mm -hmm. where, and it was interesting for me at first when I wrote that question down, I was like, oh, I don't think, I don't think there's tyrant anywhere in me. I can't, that's not me. I don't see it. And then immediately that was a red flag. I was like, okay, that's the <laughs> unconscious part where we got to go and take a look at it because clearly that is a disowned self. 
if, if I can't connect with it at all, that's a part of myself that I've disowned. And in order to alchemize and to heal this entire polarity, this entire dynamic, we got to go look at, at that aspect of it as well. Yeah. And I mean, down this rabbit hole that I've been on with, you know, exploring my inner selves and my unconscious. And like, it's, it's just a constant work. I finally, you know, I find new layers all the time. It's now I love it. I think it's so much fun. Um, but looking at certain figures that you can't stand, that is a very big red flag, ding, 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 of there is something disowned within you that you are projecting on them. And so when we all, a collective, a society goes in to do the work to bring that forward and to love that part or to understand it differently or to give it something that it needs, acceptance, love, anything that it's looking for. But when you have a whole collective that's doing that, we stop projecting it and creating it out there. And we may see our, the, the people who are running the show and the leaders, they start to, to change and transform because they're just reflecting back our own level of consciousness. Yes. And here we come back again to the power that we hold to change shit <laughs> on a collective level. Yeah. It can be, and, and like you said earlier, and you said it perfectly, where taking radical responsibility for your life in this world, and that was a very big step for me the first time that I said, I am owning and taking responsibility for this situation of racism that I see because I'm a part of this community. So I'm taking rad radical responsibility that I have played a part in this unconsciously somewhere. And I'm going to do my work and go in and start to question all of this so that I can unearth all of it and I can stop unconsciously projecting it. But in doing that, taking radical responsibility for your life can be a very tough thing for a lot of us, especially being a victim sometimes is super easy. And it's not bad. Being a victim isn't bad or wrong, but you are giving away your responsibility and your power to external forces. So therefore nothing can change. There will be no change from that because you, you perceive that you don't have the power to change it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it comes back to the sort of hard pill to swallow. That's like everything, everything in your life right now on an individual level, on a collective level, you have chosen it in one way or another, either by not actively choosing or by actively choosing, but your, your behavior, your, the unconscious parts, all of it has been a decision, a choice that has been made. And like, when I first figured that out a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> You're telling yeah. me that the job first that time. I hate and like, you know, that I'm not satisfied with my relationship, like all of that was me. Okay, cool. So I can't blame anybody else for this. Awesome. Like, and that there's a, there's a bit of a reckoning that happens with that. It's not going to immediately be like, okay, great. I know that I'm going to accept this and move forward. Like there's a, an uncomfortable part of it. And this is where I would encourage each of you listening to like, this is where the compassion and the mm -hmm. forgiveness and the patience with yourself is really, really important because this work isn't going to get done if we come from a place of, um, being being shitty to ourselves about it no and to bring up the example again of polarity right one thing is always two things just different different levels of degree so if you just think of a straight line on one end you have say i'll just bring my own personal example one one end of the spectrum there was a, a time when i disliked my body very much so but in that the same time that i love my body exists just on the opposite side of the spectrum 
But for a while, I was living on the side of, I hate my body. And so I tried shaming myself. I tried working out, doing everything to change it because I hated it so much. But in that, when you reject one side, you automatically reject, I love my body because you're rejecting it. You're just rejecting one, so you reject the other. And where alchemy comes into play, and like you said, self-compassion is everything, my relationship with my body started to change when I stopped saying, I'll feel good when I have the good body. I just started bringing, how can I feel good now? What do you need as the part that hates my body? I want to love you. I want to be here and I want to love you. And I choose you. I choose you. And the moment that you choose, that you choose a part that you, that you're trying to get rid of, you automatically have chosen the exact opposite. And now you start moving up the chain to be where you want to be. And that really is alchemy is how can I bring love and compassion to the very thing that I don't want in my life. And that's, that's when you start to move up on the scale and you start to see your life shift because you're choosing it. This is my life and I choose it. Not then, I choose it now because my life is now and it's the present moment and this is all that there is right now is this and I choose you. Oh, that's so beautiful. And what a potent example, like mm -hmm. hating your body versus loving your body. And by choosing to hate your body, you're actively choosing not to love it. That's such a, a clear cut example. Yeah. How can you get to loving your body if you're literally just hating it, shaming it, trying to manipulate and control it? How could I ever get to loving my body? I, I'm literally, there's so much hate and like manipulation, contortion here happening here. And everything switched when I found this work of, oh my God, how can I, how, how can I love you? I'm so sorry. I've been treating you like this. Like you're my vessel. You're amazing. And what can I do? And how can I how can I change this relationship to help you? And now along my journey, I'm starting to feel much better in my body, feel free in my body. Weight started to fall off, not because I did anything different, but because I just like started to feel good in my body. Mm -hmm. the, again, the external world reflecting the internal world. Yeah. 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 Your body is just a reflection and a manifestation of your thoughts and of your relationship. You think it's to the body, but it's just reflecting back what's going on what's going on internally within you. Yes. And I would add too that when we don't actively choose for ourselves, I mean, again, like I said, we're still making a passive choice, but we're also kind of letting external forces choose for us in a way. Like if I'm not choosing to actively love my body, I'm choosing to hate my body. And all of these external forces that are going to um, sort of support that idea, mm -hmm be like, yes, you should hate your body. And here's all the reasons why that's, what's going to be filtered for in my life. Right. That's what all the, you know, the things in the media or the magazines be like, you're too fat, you're too, whatever. That's the kind of filter that I'm going to have. That's what I'm going to bring into my reality. Whereas if I make the active choice to love my body, that's the filter that's going to start to commit. Yeah. And just like we said, when anything that's disowned, where if we hate our body and then we're going to, we're going to project it out there, and then you're right. Like we're going to see magazines. I'm going to, I'm going to be around friends where everyone's hate, picking apart their bodies, reaffirming my belief that I hate my body. And we just stay stuck in that same story over and over again until you decide, okay, this isn't working. And I'm really, really tired. At one point, my body was quite literally breaking down. I was in the bodybuilding industry and I was like, this is so toxic. I have to figure out another way on how to relate to this because what I'm doing isn't working. And now it's getting to the point where it's very painful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and bringing it back to sort of the, the present time conversation around racism, if we, if we apply the same logic to this, embracing the part of myself that is prejudice, that can be really, really difficult. But the only way, again, to heal that part, to understand that part, and to change that part on the internal so it can change on the external is if you are willing to sit down and look at it. Where'd you come from? Why are you showing up? What are you afraid of? Mm. How, can I, how can I sort of assuage your fears so that you aren't, you aren't this big force in my life anymore or, in, or um, unconsciously impacting the world around me? I, I love this. And to keep along with our, the same logic, that we use there to apply here that say I become aware of this prejudice, you know, that now, now is staring me in the face and how I've unconsciously created this situation. But if I have shame about this prejudice and I want to shame this and I want to kill this and I want to take it to the ground because prejudice, you know, I want to just really like judge and, and pile this thing in the ground. How do you think I'm going to show up in the world when I meet someone who I think is prejudiced and I have not accepted it in myself? I'm going to start getting an argument with them and making them feel terrible and shameful. And then what that's going to do is then they're going to feel somebody's attacking them and they're digging, they're going to dig their heels in and say, well, I'm not seeing your perspective. Like you're, I, I feel attacked. So my defenses are going to come up. And now this conversation that we're created now is not helping anything either. And so what I did for this and what I do for anything is when I become aware of a condition or a, you know, a societal structure, construct, belief system, and I see my role in both parts of, okay, I, I have played a part. There must be a part of me that's prejudiced. Like you said, I want to love you, figure out why you're here and how I can use you and transform you so that when I go out and speak in the world, that I do it from a place of love and compassion where somebody may actually hear me mm. instead of, of thinking that they're being attacked because I'm judging them. They may actually sit back and say, huh, that's really interesting what you just said. This is actually a reflection, right? How we were talking about in being in a group. The way that you just said that, because it felt like there was, it was rooted in love and compassion. I actually, um, something was reflected back to me and there's something I want to th think on and sit with rather than judgment, shame. And then the other side feels like they're judged and shame. And what happens when you feel judged and shame? You want to put up all your defenses because it feels awful to be judged and shamed. Yes. Yes. I was just going to say, I mean, think, think to your own life, like which, which tactic are you going to respond more positively to? If there's someone who wants to change your mind about something, if they come to you and they're like, well, you're wrong and here's all the reasons why and you're bad and you're stupid and X, Y, Z. Or if they come and say, Hey, I recognize myself in you. This is something that I also dealt with. And these are some things that I learned and that really helped me. Like, which one are you going to be more inclined to listen to? Yep. Or even look at like Republican party and Democrat party. They're the exact same two, two things, just different sides of the same coin. And they're both yelling and screaming at one another saying that you're wrong and I'm right. So the other side is saying, no, you're wrong and I'm right. And so they're not, so it's just so polarized until we just have people that are like, okay, let's, let's have this conversation from a different perspective rather than judgment, wrong, right. All that just starts to convolute everything. And then the message or the truth that each party has, we can't find maybe a middle ground where in the future, maybe we have a whole new party that gets created from that. So we can have something that actually makes sense and not completely polarized. Yeah. And I, and I think that that is really important 
when doing this kind of work is to not judge and shame a shadow that comes up that you may have shame around and that's okay if you have shame but more love more compassion more understanding more curiosity mm -hmm. to transform it to understand it so when you go out in the world and if you want to be an activist or stand for something that you're not going and fighting against anything you you understand you're rooted in love and compassion but still in your truth and you're going to go out and create a new structure not fight against something because like you said whatever we resist persists so there's no point in going to fight against anything it's just do the work inner work love both sides of yourself and you'll see the gold of what comes out of that and then you go out into the world and you create a whole new structure because you're not even you're not worried about being right or wrong or fighting anyone you're like i'm good y'all are good do what you do i'm just gonna go create something that works and then i'll keep speaking about it and maybe when a bunch of people start waking up we start moving the scale starts moving to another side that works for everybody oh yes so much yes to all of that and and one other thing i want to add is this idea that if if there is something in someone else that triggers you that means that there is an aspect, that same thing is in you somewhere and it has been disowned and it hasn't been looked at. So being triggered by someone says a lot more about what you have going on inside for you than it ever does about the other person. And that's another sort of beautiful way to begin on the path of like, okay, well, what is it that I need to work on? Well, where are you, where do other people trigger you? Mm -hmm. people whether it's people in politics people on the news or people in your like individual personal life what is it that triggers me take note of that and then okay where does that live in me why is that so uncomfortable for me and that's where this this inner alchemy can start to happen so that then rather than being in resistance to that thing you can begin to arrive to it from this like sort of neutralized balanced place yeah like when i used to live in the world of polarity and i'm right you're wrong I would get very triggered and when i didn't know my shadows i'd get very triggered activated immediately and i'd start a conversation that then would derail what my actual mission and my intention was of the conversation and now that i've done this alchemy within myself that when i somebody says something and i may be triggered by it there's more presence that i could be with what's going on and then even just be like, oh, I hear your perspective. I'm also gonna offer this perspective. It is a way different conversation, a way different, and it feels more of like, I see your truth and I respect it, um, but that's not, but I also have my truth. And since I gave you the space, I'd love the space to share my truth. And it just becomes a whole different collaborative conversation that maybe gets somewhere <laughs> rather than, or it was just right or wrong. And we were both just, you know, triggered yelling at each other or trying to make the other one the other person feel wrong and this work i'm just getting so present to with what's this work is so important and each individual doing this internal work and getting curious about yourself and like some people are very like scared to go into themselves and that makes total sense but like this is your this is how do we know how will we ever know anyone else if we don't know ourselves and if we haven't touched our own pain or our own power right the same same with what you said of whatever you judge in someone else, whatever you overvalue in somebody else is a shadow as well. Mm -hmm. So if you see someone and, oh, they're so confident and so powerful, that that is a rejected part of yourself too that you can easily bring up and step into that, your own confidence and power. And you know, the, the level of intimacy that we create with ourselves will only be the degree and the level of intimacy we could ever create with another person or another group or another community mm -hmm. is that, knowing yourself 
is how you literally know other people and how and how you can hold the space and be and be in that space with other people and just this inner work that we're doing and i know i'm a little biased i love this work but there are many people out there doing this type of work i mean this is just the collective is starting to shift and healers and space holders they're everywhere now and to find someone that really resonates with you and the work that they're doing so you could start to learn about you and to love you and i mean like really unconditionally love yourself it's not just bubble baths right of like oh i love myself no it's going to the part of yourself that feels shame and small and i'm going to even love that part i'm even going to love that part of myself that is unconditional love Yes. And I love that you use the term intimacy with ourselves, which I think you said before is intimacy is into me, I see. Mm-hmm. And historically, like society, the structures, the powers that be have benefited from each of us not having that intimacy with ourselves and not asking ourselves the questions. Because as long as we're not going in and asking the questions and figuring things out for ourselves, we can kind of continue to just go with the status quo and keep the powers that be in power and kind of just continue to be a sheep, live in the matrix and not know it. Yeah. And with you going internally and loving parts of yourself, dismantling systems in yourself, like you have the power. You, the, who, this person, who you are right now in this, moment listening to us saying this is you have the power. You are a sovereign being that has the power. And when we all start waking up to this, we can start to like to change this whole thing so that it, it works for the entire planet, not just a select few or a certain group. It works for everyone. Yes. Yes. And loving all parts of yourself is like a radical form of activism. Of like, I mean, if we want, I want to get real, real right now of like, I've talked to the Donald Trump in my own self, the tyrant, the narcissistic a-hole. Well, if he's, like I said before, I take radical responsibility for my life and this world. And if I have this guy that's running in power right now, I must have that aspect of me and myself. How can I turn towards you? How can I mother you? How can I love you? And, and how can I transform you? And just, it literally goes with anything. And we're, we're everyone, we're everything and everyone. And we have an aspect of everything within ourselves and to really just radically take responsibility and get to know each and every part is then how things just start to, to fall away out there. Yes, 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 yes. And there's, um, on the subject of polarity, there's another particular polarity dynamic than you and I, that you and I have talked about that I'd like to bring into the conversation here again, which is the balance between masculine and feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And those listening, you, if you listen to this podcast, you probably already know, but just to clarify, masculine and feminine energy has nothing to do with gender or sex or sexual orientation. Every single human being on the planet has both masculine and feminine energy within them. And I think it's a great example of this polarity dynamic that we're seeing play out right now. Yeah. Like how we said, everything is one thing but two things on just opposite ends of the spectrum, there needs to be a negative and a positive charge for anything to exist. I mean, that's just like physics too, of having masculine and feminine energies within us. And that has been a very big awakening for me, just based on certain patterns in my dating life that kept occurring. And I was like, how am I playing a part in this? And learning about masculine and feminine energies is a perfect way to see, you know, if you're in a relationship right now or a spouse, or if you're just dating on 
the other person is quite literally your reflection and is going to mirror back ways that you've abandoned yourself or ways that you love yourself or ways that you criticize yourself or judge yourself. And we're going to see it reflected in intimate relationships usually are the, the best reflection for that. But even taking that out just in yourself, masculine and feminine and how those energies work together. And I think, I guess, since we're talking about this of like, there's a difference between wounded masculine and feminine and divine masculine and feminine. And I think um, to go back to our fishbowl context, that we were born into a fishbowl with very wounded feminine traits and wounded masculine traits. And what does that look like? So usually wounded feminine is no boundaries, not speaking truth, very victim, blaming, you know, blaming a lot of other people. And wounded masculine is control, domination, um, just not, not, um, not comfortable with the feminine because it's scared of its power. And so I think that's why we see a lot of um, the men in power that are in men in, that are the men in power right now of just very uh, wounded masculine and the work on bringing both of those into balance and finding the divine and the divine masculine and divine feminine and marrying the two within yourself so that the divine masculine can hold the space and create the structure for the feminine to feel safe to bloom and to feel good in her body and flow and be creative but has that structure and that safety that the masculine has. And so I'd love to bring an example into my life to like to make this more like concrete, where just from my own conditioning, my own what I saw in my own family dynamic and just certain relationships where men would leave, they'd always leave. And my body started to get really tense. And I even my chest would hunch over of like I'm protecting my heart. And I just was very rigid and like I could tell that I was not connected to my heart or my body anymore. And that's very wounded masculine and wounded feminine of my masculine is so scared. So it's protection and I'm stiff, stiff arming people of like energetically stiff arming them of like, oh, I want to date you, but also stay, stay, you know, stay arm's length away because I don't want you to hurt my heart. But in that we're just creating more pain and more suffering in my own experience because I do want my heart to be seen and I do want to express my voice and my truth and so it's really doing the inner work of how can I make my feminine feel safe? And then how can I make my masculine feel safe that he can relax and bring down his guard a little bit, not be so tense and allow the structure and the space for the feminine to be this beautiful blooming thing of intuition and free flow. And it's a whole new dynamic that gets created. But if I don't do that work internally, that's just what I'm going to keep creating over and over in my life. Yes, yes, yes. And like with any polarity, both both sides are necessary. You can't have feminine energy without masculine energy and vice versa. And they're meant to work in harmony together. They're meant to support one another. There isn't one that's better than the other. And I think to your point about the wounded version of each energy, this same dynamic of power and powerlessness kind of comes in with masculine and feminine because the water that we're swimming in again, I think has historically, at least from my perspective, equated feminine energy with powerlessness and masculine energy with power. And we're seeing, again, those wounded parts come out on the larger scale when we have leaders in power, um, wounded male leaders in power who are exercising that sort of toxic masculinity. And then the same with the, the more victim blaming um, wounded feminine energy. Yeah. And so for anyone listening right now that wants to dive in, if this conversation has sparked them of what 
what is your dynamic with yourself? Can you speak your truth? Are you afraid of judgment? That's usually a very big indication that you have a wounded masculine within yourself and a wounded feminine, and your masculine has power over your feminine. And really the whole reason for doing this work is power with. They're both equal, they're both the same. They're, how could they work together in power with each other, not one has power over the other? And really doing the work around that so that your feminine feels safe enough that she could come out and start speaking her truth because she feels safe enough to do so and doesn't and has a counterpart, a sacred counterpart, as opposed to a power dynamic happening. Yes, yes, yes. And feminine energy, again, not at all related to your body parts or your gender, is the energy of creativity. And and like art and every all of all of the sort of like beauty that comes into the world and it needs the masculine structure in order to in order to support it and something that you and i worked on in our most recent session in this um group course together was my own inner masculine and feminine and recognizing that i have this inner patriarchy this this inner patriarchy that i've internalized that bashes and abuses my feminine energy in many ways so when my feminine wants to come out and just like do an art project or just be flowy and in in that sort of energy the inner patriarchy the wounded masculine comes in and says well that's a waste of time you can't be doing that there's other stuff you should be doing you got to be productive and just the the clarity that it brought me to be able to see that that was what was happening um gave me so much perspective on myself, but then also, again, <laughs> the external, how this is playing out all around me all the time. Yep, of like when the, the first word of like the, the movement of the patriarchy, at first it was met with anger, as usually an injustice, there will always be anger that is the first movement of something because an injustice has been, um, you know, realized. But then in sitting with that and then realizing, oh, it's not woman versus man, it's I have masculine feminine energies within myself, but if there's a patriarchy happening out there, there's got to be a patriarchy happening within my own consciousness because, like, again, I'm taking responsibility for my life and this world has got to live. This program has to live within me. And a really great book that I read that helped really clear this for me was Shadow King. And it's just about the, patri the inner patriarchy that lives, that has infiltrated the consciousness of the gender uh, of a woman, and we're playing along with it. Mm. And again, hard pill to swallow because the wounded feminine wants to be able to just blame the outer patriarchy and the men like, oh, well, I'm, I'm oppressed and it's because of them. Um, mm -hmm. And it's being having the willingness to take ownership over that that's really going to sort of shift and change things. Yeah, because a lot of time, yeah, when we just start blaming the other side, that creates just more polarity. And now we're just everyone's digging their heels in the sand and it's like a tug of war when we can go internally and do this, accept it within ourselves, it's a very different energetic place that we come from when it's been alchemized within ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. And I think, and certainly for me, so much of the, um, the, the inner patriarchy or the abusing of the feminine, it, like you were saying, it comes from a place of fear of the power of the feminine energy, like real fear. And I think for me, the, the part of my sort of associations with power are because, well, power is negative. Power equals a tyrant. Power equals like arrogant or oppressive. And so I'm afraid of that. I don't want anything to do with that. And so there's a part of me inside that pushes that away. But you and I were having a conversation that real power, divine power is 
standing in your truth. It's knowing your values. It's speaking up. It has nothing to do with power over. It's, it's power within. Mm, that is true leadership when you're not trying to have power over anything. It's power within. And like, if I really want to talk about this subject and drop another little nugget of that the divine feminine, this whole thing has been distorted and the divine feminine energy, granted you could be in a woman body or a man body, but the divine feminine, the leadership from divine feminine is is the true power and is what the world needs so that we can bring in more compassion and love and truth and speaking truth and staying rooted in center. So there's just a rise of the divine feminine and the leadership and the power from that space. That's what this world, this world, this medicine, this world needs that medicine right now. And it even could still be a male leader, but that has a balance and knows his divine feminine and is in touch with his divine feminine. That is a powerful of a leader man right there. And same with a woman, you know? Yes. Yes. When you, and, and for me, at least when I'm in the presence of someone who has a balance of those two energies, it's like, you can, you can feel it. You can sense it. There's a, there's a real presence to that because they've sort of come into wholeness with themselves and they're not rejecting their feminine energy as weak or their masculine energy is too strong. There's just this like beautiful balance and presence. And it's like, whoa, like I can really like viscerally feel it and sense it when someone's in that space. My whole body structure will change because I can sense that this is a field, the field right now is very safe. And I I know I feel seen because there's presence and I feel very safe. And like your whole nervous, my my whole nervous system drops down. And I'm like, this is, I'm in a presence of somebody that's safe. Even if I just met them, I'm I'm connecting more with my body that I'm like, this is a very safe space because I know that there's balance here and there's, there's love and there's somebody that's done the inner work. And then in my past, I think about men that I dated who are amazing men. They're all really great men, but I did not have that level of safety as I didn't have that level of safety within myself. So my, my nervous system may have been a little activated, I've been tense and you, you can start to feel your whole, the energy of your body and how you hold your body. It all starts to shift when you start to balance out these energies within yourself. Yes, yes, yes. And Again, what happens on the micro happens on the macro. And I feel like this, this sort of the rise of the divine feminine is a major, major part of this whole paradigm shift that we're seeing play out in the world around us right now. Yeah. And it needs to be the feminine. That's why there's women doing the work left. I keep meeting women, right? Because I'm doing the work. So all I now I meet women that are doing the work because the divine feminine has to rise up to, to balance all of this out. And to really bring everything back into play so that just we can bring balance. Again, like we said, not power over. No one's better than the other, right? It's just two opposite ends, degrees of the spectrum. And they just, we need to find the middle ground, and bring unity to these polarities. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I just got the image of like 2020 is sort of this, this fulcrum, this like this, this point on the axis where things are starting to tilt back into equilibrium, where we've been so deep in the wounded masculine in our society for so long. And now this is kind of, we're at, we're at this breaking point, this axis point where, you know, things are slowly starting to shift the other way so we can come back into balance in so many ways. Yeah. And it's like we said earlier, it's not because 2020 is amazing and everything's great. It's because we're, we're like excavating like deep things and it's got to get uncomfortable so we can actually look at these things for what they are and then start to have a different conversation about it. So I, I'm the same with you. Like 2020 has been like a 
it's been a lot of stuff that's come up, but thank God, thank God it's coming up. So we can actually start to, to look at it and to start making a change. Yes. Yes. Recognizing the water that we're swimming in finally. <laughs> no, taking stuff out of the fishbowl and looking at the fishbowl for what the fishbowl is. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And I think, I mean, all of this to say like, this is the time to step into the power that you have to create your reality. We need every single person to do this, to start looking at this, to start doing this work, to start speaking up, to start showing up and leaning in and all of that, because that's how, that's how the whole paradigm is going to shift. That's what's going to carry this forward. So like this, this is the time. Yeah. And that's why conversations like this, this podcast, they matter. This matters. Your podcast matters. Whoever's listening and all the other podcasts, all the other conversations, it all matters because it creates a ripple effect out into the collective so that there can actually be a change in, in it all. Yes. Uh, so good. So powerful. I just got so, this like just felt my whole body feels so good right now. This entire conversation of just how awesome and activating and platforms like your podcast, just how powerful and how much they are needed right now. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me and all the conversations that we get to have. I just, um, I really, really appreciate your perspective and the way that you are like leading the charge um, and doing the work and helping others step into do the work themselves to really help move this whole thing forward. So thank you. Yeah. And for anyone listening, when you step up into your power, when you step up and claim claim something, you give permission for other people to do the same. And I think when people ask, they're like, how's your platform growing so fast? And like, how are you inspiring so many? Because I'm inspiring myself. I'm just over here doing my work, owning it and saying that this is okay to be up or down or wherever you are. And in, in owning that and owning all of myself, I give permission for others to do that too. So like you doing the work, everyone doing the work, you're, when you give per yourself permission, you give everybody else you come in contact. You give them permission to. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so true. There's one more thing that I want to touch on with you, which is that you have recently decided that you're going to, it's time to take the mask off. It's good. Sasquatch it's mask. I want to hear a little bit more about, about that decision. Why now? Yeah. Um, I think with the Black Lives Matter movement that's happening and how much in my face that I've been seeing where the reason why we got here is because people like me, I didn't use my voice when I heard a racist remark or I heard something that didn't sit well and I didn't say anything. And with the Sasquatch, it's been amazing because I was very scared to speak my truth at one point, which is why I didn't do that. So I had the mask on and that really helped make that part of me feel very safe of, oh my gosh, I can speak my truth. And like, I'm freeing myself and this feels amazing. And now with all the, that everything's going on in the world, where my voice matters and just as your voice matters in this microphone and the voice of every single person in this world, our voice matters. And if I don't start using it, then really what impact am I actually doing if I'm not using my voice? So my decision, and I sat with it one day and the part of me that was very scared of using my voice came in and said, we're good. I, I told you to put on a mask a year and a half ago. You listened. Thank you for listening. This was like really, really fun that you did something that not a lot of other people did. And now I feel safe enough. You're ready. And I'm thank you for honoring me, but it's my time to go. And that right there, that's alchemy. I honored a part of myself. She felt seen. She felt heard. It's time for her to go. And now the mask comes on. And now I'm, I'm going to start my podcast because I, I got to start using my voice. 
Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for the world to get to see you and know you in the way that I do and to really hear your voice totally uncovered, un unmasked in any way. It's so exciting. Oh, thank you, Zoe. And I'm just so grateful for you. And this doesn't feel random the first time that we had our podcast to then the work that we're doing and now this conversation and more conversations that we're going to have. It feels so aligned and right. And I'm grateful that I get to be on round number two with you on your podcast. Oh, yes. Oh, I love it. So real quick, just for everybody listening, how can the listeners connect with you and find you out in the interwebs? Uh, Instagram and the, and oh, I have a website, Chronicles of a Sasquatch, but Sasquatch is S-A-S-S because she's sassy. But Instagram and the interwebs are probably the two easiest places and like the most fun and creativity and, and all of that. Yes, you'll definitely want to find Megan there if you haven't already. All right, love. Thank you so, so much for being here. It's always a joy to talk to you. I love you so much, sister. And I can't wait for all the many more conversations that we're going to have. Yes, yes. All right. Thank you. Isn't Megan incredible? I love every conversation I get to have with her. I love the perspective and the passion that she brings to all of these topics. I hope that you found our conversation as inspiring and activating as I did. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to share it with a friend or someone in your life who may be inspired by it as well. And if you have a moment, I would so appreciate if you would take the time to rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people to find it. So thank you for doing that. If you want to connect with Megan, I have linked her Instagram and website and Patreon links in the show notes below, as well as my contact information, my Instagram, all that if you would like to connect with me. All right, my friends, be well, take care of yourselves, go out there and freaking own your power, and I will talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.